and I are back and we're honored to interview Brett after those fascinating presentations. Make sure to have your questions ready while we wait for Brett to make his way from the in-person stage. Alex, what were your key takeaways from what we heard already this afternoon? Having someone go from the in-person just straight to this interview, it's uh, pretty, pretty fun, pretty fun, pretty exciting kind of exclusive content. I know we mentioned this morning, but still can't quite get over. Uh, I think that's pretty exciting. For me, in Brett's conversation, what really came out in that demand remapping use case that he spoke about was that whole activity was was intended to be around savings and value. And that that came through at the end. And I think that's important as many people undergo these transformations. All right. And you made it here pretty quickly. <laughs> it's not that long of a no, walk. it's not too long. <laughs> so welcome to the digital stage. And uh, we really, we were just talking about the key takeaways from your presentation and uh, what we thought. But talk to us about what it was like to put together that presentation. I mean, going back through everything that you had done over that period of time, putting it into, together into maybe maybe context. But before we do that, you should probably introduce yourself to the digital audience. Well, yeah, sure. Us. So Brett Bernal, <laughs> I'm the Chief Supply Chain Officer at Amicare Royal. Uh, I've been with them since um, just right, right around the beginning of the pandemic, May of 2020 as well. Um, I've been in food service and, and actually food manufacturing for, you know, 20, 25 years mm. or so. Oh, it must have changed. We'll, we'll get, we'll circle <laughs> yeah. back to that because it's <laughs> changed over the last couple of years. But yeah, walk us through, you know, like I said, you went through it. And then you had to yeah. go back and so think about it. You know, and we're still in the implementation phase of kind of tracking governance of what the network looks like. But you know, even for, you know, to prep for, for this review, you mm-hmm. tend to forget right, the early days of kind of the journey that we, we started with. If you think back, it's been essentially a year and a half uh, or, or so that – um, in the early days of, okay, we've got this challenge. How are we going to resource it? How do we get internal alignment? Um, and then the along the way, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't one straight path. It was a little bit of kind of back and forth. Yeah. And, and it was almost actually, uh, we took the internal team through the presentation just so that they could really kind of look back and say, wow, okay. like, this has been, that's a great idea. This has been fantastic mm-hmm. uh, because you, you tend to kind of only focus on either what's in front of you or remember kind of what's yeah. behind yeah. you as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really helpful, even, even for the internal team, the broader internal team. Amazing. Alex, did you want to jump in here? Yeah. It has to be almost reassuring to see uh, Brett, you mentioned, I think there was uh, the projected savings of roughly 20%, right? Like that's, it's almost got to be a pat on the back in a sense to the team and the hard work, like you say, doing a little bit of reflecting. Yeah. And I think, I think it was important that we, we take that 20% and then say, okay, how, how are we going to really, what is the financial commitment we're going to make to the organization and step yeah. through that and what's executable on that. So it was important that, you know, that's in a kind of a static state. Environment. We obviously, in 2022, we're still dealing with unprecedented global supply chain disruption. You know, it changed from material availability to um, yeah. ocean freight. You know, mm-hmm. we do an awful lot with, with ocean freight and port congestion and chassis availability and intermodal moves. So we were cautious to make sure that we have a progressive kind of step through to say what's achievable. 
And how did you do that in the middle of a pandemic when so much was going on? You know what I mean? And people were tasked with so much in getting them to think about things differently and go through this exercise. Because I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are kind of like, how did you do that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, even today we're still firefighting. Yeah. And, and look, we, we have a great team uh, of, of people and cross-functional folks that uh, at times it was challenging. It was really yeah. too hard to kind of survive the day, but yet right. work on uh, work on an initiative that really is not going to pay dividends until, you know, 12 or 18 months later. Right. And so, but we, we really had this mentality. We kind of teed up the project of, look, when we come out of the, we cannot be doing the same things we're doing today mm-hmm. as a supply chain and be organized the same way and have the same operating policies and look at things the same way. If we're this way coming out of the pandemic, we're, we're not going to make it kind of long-term and support mm-hmm. our growth aspirations. So it was almost teed up as a, as a you know, a must do even even though we're yes we're surviving the day and kind of our plates are full, we had to carve out time to really have a kind of future. Our whole piece was come out of the pandemic stronger in a better spot, um, mm-hmm. you know. So and we and it was a lot of, kind of mantra. Mm-hmm. Well, being really intentional and set that purpose. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. No, I was going to. I think you turned that into almost a continuous improvement activity. Yeah, so I think you broke up. How do you, in, you turn it into a continuous improvement activity? activity? Yeah. Well, I think that's the that's the key for us. Of, you know, one is um, the governance. You saw there was a slide that an implementation. There's a governance and tracking, right? So, where do we expect that to? It really important to where does that uh, manifest in the P and L? And then, like any effort, you know, the supply chain doesn't stay at a at a kind of static point in time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got future acquisitions in, in the pipeline. Right. There's there's things that change and and morph. So. Um, we're, we're talking about how do we get into kind of a more run and maintain mode um, and then spur kind of within the supply chain, you know, different pieces of activity to kind of keep that ongoing continuous improvement. Um, you know, we have an internal group that is a CI group that helps facilitate, you know, our, our um, different functional leads as well. And I think you kind of need that coming out of the pandemic and being where you want to be. Right. Outside of the pandemic. But then again, looking at like we are over the last couple of days at 2030 and where do we want to be at 2030? Right. What's happening right now is hopefully short term. (laughs) We want to look long term. And so how do we still reach that goal while we're still in the mindset and the the uncomfortableness of all the disruptions that the pandemic brought? Yeah, it's it's a it's a delicate balance. I yeah. mean, I think of of this kind of short term, long term balance, and I think I think the reality is you can't play a hundred percent in either one of those worlds. You okay, have interesting. You have to have a blend of hey, what's my immediate and kind of short term. But if you're completely there, you're not looking to a, a longer term horizon. You're in trouble, and I think vice versa. If you're 100% focus just on, hey, 20, 20, 20, right. 2030, um, chances are you're, 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 mm-hmm. you're not winning, you're losing from competition or market conditions that you're dealing with immediately. Absolutely. Well, I want to remind the digital audience that we brought to, for another 
20 minutes or so. So if you have any questions, make sure to put those in the chat so we can ask them. But what, why discrete simulation? And what were some of the questions that you and your team were asking before you even got to the solution of discrete simulation? Like walk us through maybe the first mile. Yeah. I'm going to use a logistics term, right? Yeah. The first mile. Because we talked about what was needed. It was not a, remember, this was not about the scope this project was uh, best use of current in terms of footprint brick and mortar. It gets right. expensive. We're not talking about, you know, adding DCs into the network. So mm -hmm. it was a lot about a performance of the network around policy questions, inventory okay. policy, ordering policy, stocking strategies, um, what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think um, the benefit of that simulation piece was really, um, in in optimization, you can get structural questions answered, mm -hmm. but it's at a it's at a level of averages and assumptions. I think with with simulation, you actually run the orders that you have yeah. through the through the network to see the results on splits, mm -hmm. back orders, you know, uh, DC location capacity or profile. So yeah. those, I think, candidly, I think. Looking back at it, it was, it was, we didn't, I, I don't think we realized at the time the power of the simulation piece. Okay. Uh, you know, as, yeah. as we walked through it until afterwards, I used the example in the speech of, you know, we all kind of went in with it, like a lot of skews, the 80 20 rule, it's probably, you know, it's probably going to be some sort of hub and spoke or consolidation. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that it wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And there were some things that came out of the simulation around our product portfolio that really suggested, you know, you could consolidate, but you're going to see mm -hmm. some, some offsets that you wouldn't really expect that you pick up in an optimization only. Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that because simulation is coming up more and more, especially as companies are talking about digital transformation and which technology partners they want to go with and, and different things like that. And I've had a multitude of companies that on my podcast talking about simulation and the power of simulation and you're listening to it, but until you actually do it and get involved with it and see the power yeah, of it, right. I think that's where the transformational mindset shift is around yeah. simulation. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And did that change for your team as well? Like what did you, and was there a change element, like, I'm sorry, a change management element to all of this? Because I would, I would assume that there is with any sort of technology. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, this was um, for us in supply chain and from a network perspective, we, we, I like to say we're, we were touching everything. There was a piece on the network uh, transformation piece. It, it, remember at the same time we were standing up IBP, mm -hmm. putting in new, uh, a new planning system, a new WMS and a new TMS. That's a lot. So there's a lot That's of work lot. there. <laughs> I wouldn't equate it to an organizational wide ERP effort, but mm -hmm. yeah, there was this, you know, a fair amount of kind of yeah. change management piece across the supply chain mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, impacted customer service and others. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a change management component. Not, I would say an internal piece and then really cautious about, mm -hmm. you know, impact an external piece of impacting customers, what we're mm -hmm. doing, why we're doing it. I'm trying to get their, their, you know, voice of customer and their feedback through surveys and interviews of key, key accounts. So wow. absolutely some change, change management pieces. Yeah. And team effort. Alex, I know you're, yeah. you've got a question brewing. 
It's it's interesting because the change management piece is something I've, I've been thinking about, Brett, and something that we've talked with with Rick, with Kevin, and with Ashley around because it's it's very much oriented around people. People are the the, the life and the blood of supply chains, right? So, can you maybe um, talk about how you upskilled your team to understand and comprehend these discrete simulations? Because it's a scary term. Let's be honest; it's a it's a digital transformation term. Um, That's a great question. How did you work with them to get statistical understanding, statistical analysis, and everything that comprehended uh, that came with it? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I would say, you know, when we we think of it in supply chain, we kind of look at the four or five planks of of people, cost, quality, service, innovation. Right? And I'm a firm believer that that it's it's the people side, engagement, trust, mm-hmm. all of those things that kind of unlock all of mm-hmm. the other you know, pillars or, or components of that, that kind of one pager mm-hmm. supply chain. Right. I mean, so uh, I think it's, it's, we had a, an opportunity to kind of upskill and, and upgrade capabilities in terms of, you know, um, shortly before this, we created a, a demand planning group and, mm-hmm. and the, the talents and uh, of folks that we had in the supply chain, uh, got some folks that were there, but in the wrong seats, kind of mm. in, in position as well. Um, no doubt, I think the the project was a learning uh, experience for us. Even even folks that have been in planning and done planning in other organizations, mm-hmm. and I think the simulation is is relatively new. I mm-hmm. think in terms of, and I. I think if we said that we knew everything going in and saying, okay, we right. you know, expect it, you know, there's some learnings and some ahas around it to say, wow. And, and it, it took a little while for, you know, just to get, okay, what's the difference between optimization and simulation and what are we, <laughs> Very you know, true. And, just and the terms, we, right. And you're doing all <laughs> these runs and, and, you know, you, you got to get immersed in it and, mm-hmm. and to, to really understand it. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Will you use simulation again? And what are your plans? And if I can ask you, you might not be able to tell me, but what are your plans for the next way? Yeah, so <laughs> we, I think there, there will be probably, you know, it's, it's never a static moment in time, right? So the network is kind of always changing. And I think mm-hmm. we will at some point get back to this, uh, I think, and we'll probably, we'll probably talk about kind of, the depth of of in the, the rigor, I think we've got enough to as a as a jumping off point, and then we'll kind of refresh that work. Okay, um, really will depend on kind of what happens uh, for us in the next um, couple of years with some acquisitions as well of how much the network changes. Okay, um, but I think I think that's definitely something in the toolbox that we will be using. We're more, I think, we're more confident and more just more familiar with mm-hmm. it and comfortable with it. Now, as a as a as a um, as a tool for us to leverage, um, we we did not build that internal capability. As I mentioned, uh, you know, we chose Optologic um, and some of our other partners' gains to to together. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we would you know tap that type of kind of external resource to help us on the refresh. Yeah, I, I ask that because there's simulation in a variety of different aspects of supply chain. You used it specifically for warehousing, but there's you know simulation on last mile delivery and all sorts of components yeah. of the supply chain. Right? Yeah, we did not, you know, we didn't really go into product variability 
is, you know, it was out of scope for us in terms right. of our product portfolio. So you can mm-hmm. do simulation on your product portfolio as yeah. well, right? So, I mean, there's, um, you know, there's a, there's a number of different things. That different can, ways yeah. that you can use it. So mm-hmm. we, we might be looking at that in the future. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. So I want to ask you when it comes to, you know, simulation and what you what you guys had um, decided to put together, what were some of the key learnings? I know you talked a little bit about that in your presentation, but the key learnings, what were some of the things that your team came to you with that was like, you know, I'm really glad we did this because, and what would be your uh, recommendation for others that are in the audience thinking about maybe doing simulation in their own um uh, in their own businesses. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the overarching effort, maybe not just simulation, but really the overarching, I think one of the things is just an in-depth understanding of our supply chain, where we were winning and losing, mm. and, and the impact of some of the the policies that we were implementing of, of what that impact was on the network. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had an idea where we were kind of winning, we knew service wasn't where it needed mm-hmm. to be. We knew costs were high, but we really had a much more, you know, in-depth kind of view of mm-hmm. what our supply chain, how it was behaving, and, okay. and, and the, the cost implications and service implications. So, mm-hmm. I mean, out of the gate, I think there was just a, a a lot of kind of education for the team mm-hmm. around where we were winning and losing in the supply chain. Okay. So check that first before you're looking at, you know, this type of scenario. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think it's important to, I think it's important that the, you know, you get internal stakeholder aligned up front in what we're trying to do as well. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because this work is not, you know, days and weeks, it's months. Right. right? So I think that that's, that's important. I think. Who did you bring along? Guiding coalition, Brett, if I could interject there really quick. Any any key specific roles or functions you'd ha- highlight? Yeah, I mean, so so you know, the the head of commercial at the at the time we we said as a as a stakeholder, and then the the entire ELT, and then our board had several kind of key milestone updates of of the initiative as well. Mm-hmm. So Very you know, we had we undoubtedly our board and and sponsor was very very supportive of the effort and you know that and that's important that's huge mm-hmm. uh, in terms of of really uh even when things probably took a little bit longer in the strategy phase mm-hmm. to hang in there and say okay we're gonna we're gonna wait for this to kind of materialize and start to see results right um, you know so that was really important did you have a follow-up there alex yeah no i i, I was just thinking because the, the 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 guiding coalition, as you as you think about, uh, at least in my my point of view, when you understand the network and then you tie, you 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 have costs costs to the activity, you have value coming out of the activity, and that communication is really important for one building awareness around the supply chain, and then two mm-hmm. building um, uh, support. Right, the, the, the that guiding coalition, as Laura always says, um, across the company. So, have you seen the since you've done this activity, seen any cultural shift in how supply chain or in how uh, the network flow across your company has been talked about? Yeah, I would I, I would say people are excited about some of the results that they're seeing in, mm-hmm. and even in some of the monthly numbers. 
I think we're seeing it from a customer service perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like an example, when you split an order, it means rework for a customer service representative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that number of, of orders that they're handling is starting to come down. Um, right. So there's pockets in the organization that are, are benefiting and seeing kind of real results uh, from from the effort. Mm-hmm. So again, and I, I continually caution my my CEO and the healthy of like, we're still in the early stages, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they, they uh, but you know, all of the kind of indicators that we are measuring are headed in the right direction is as well. Right. So. And the power of the data that you've been able to collect through this exercise, how has that changed the conversation with suppliers and partners? And yeah. So I think, I think the ability to, and it sometimes gets lost in the conversation about, you know, you have an enormous amount of data, but what's the, what's the story behind the data yeah. and what, what, um, how can you use the data to really kind of get to where you, you want to go? And sometimes that gets lost, right. Mm-hmm. In the, in just the sake of kind of compiling the data. And so I think, the ability to let the data tell the story mm-hmm. brings an enormous amount of credibility to the effort and, yeah. and, you know, gave us the confidence level that what we were thinking would happen in the network actually mm-hmm. would materialize. You know, had a higher confidence level going in because of the data, because of some of the simulation work yeah. that we did. Well, and I think for your suppliers and partners too, having that data from you and really understanding what that looks like and yeah. how that's going to impact them. So yeah. not only you and your teams internally, but being able to share that externally yeah, sure. just really strengthens the bond yeah. in, in what you yeah. need to really um, have a successful yeah. supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So when we look at 2030, what questions do you think supply chain professionals should be asking themselves right now to set them up for success? I think there's a huge piece around talent and capability. Yeah. You know, engagement. And I think there's a there's a huge and that kind of spans not only kind of within supply chain, but I think of kind of how supply chains interact with other functions Mm -hmm. in the organization. And, and really no longer being looked at just as a cost center, but a competitive advantage. And, right? Love so that. How do you, how do you, <laughs> I think we can do more in terms of um, the commercial and supply chain you know, mm-hmm. interaction and having supply chain folks understand what it's like to be in the field and talking to customers and buyers and mm-hmm. vice versa of sales and marketing folks. I love that. I think it was Rick was talking about at Clorox and, and you know, uh, at, at Georgia Tech, uh, the program where sales and marketing were taking a supply mm-hmm. chain course and in, in understanding. So I think there's there's things that we can be doing today mm-hmm. in an organization to carve out time to do that kind of cross-pollination, uh, for sure. That actually reminds me of something you said during your presentation. You said every supply, I wrote this down, every supply chain person wants to be a marketer. Why did you say that? I think... Or did I get that wrong? Uh, they might have gotten that. Because <laughs> I think when you were going into the example of Rubik, I think it was. Oh yeah, so it was. It was. Yeah, it was a little bit. It was a little bit of a, a you know, hey, like in terms of who said we couldn't be, you know, like a, a marketing, like the, creative, the creative juices of a of a supply chain. It was, you know, it was purely a supply chain group that named it Rubik, which was, you know, fantastic. So we, 
little bit of a, a jab over to our marketing friends. Yeah, no, I I ask you that obviously. I'm in marketing. Um, I actually have a marketing undergrad. So oh, you do, yeah, awesome. Yeah, like, but also, know. the next generation is is thinking about supply chain very differently. I had a mm-hmm. new grad yeah. that went to HP. This was a while ago, and with warehousing, she was saying that it's uh, comparable to interior design for her. Oh, that's, yeah, that's. And so when you said that every supply chain person wants to be a marketer, it got me thinking about that comment and how the next generation is really thinking about different components of supply chain and relating it back to creativity. Yeah. And that's where marketing comes from is through innovation and creativity. And I love that you said that, even though it's a side remark. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, 100%. It's so true. Every supply chain professional wants to be a marketer. Alex, any last questions before we let Brett go? Brett, just one. This is this is maybe a theoretical question, but how how do you think about question or, or, or the statement data? should not be enough to make a decision. It should be coupled with expertise, experience, and then interpretation of that data. How do you encourage your team to think about that while you're using this discrete simulation? It's almost data overload. So how do you encourage them to be good partners with it? I think you have to, you always have to, it can't be data alone. It has to be a mix of you know, professional experience in in industry and, and background and expertise that really pulls the data and analyzes the data alone, right? So I would 100% agree that, you know, even you need the data to be able to kind of make sure it gives credibility to the story and truly it's anchored in kind of concrete data. But I think think if you go with data alone, it's kind of single metric focused, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. You need some of the color commentary between that as well. And we, you know, we see that a lot in, you know, you talked about planning and, mm-hmm. you know, often you don't just take a, a, a planning run of a for statistical forecast and say, I'm going to plug that data alone. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got insights and knowledge that it, and it's the same with this effort. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to have those pieces as well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much, Brett, for joining us. Time for implementing network design at Medtronic, followed by a panel discussion, then a presentation on building outside-in planning processes. Lessons learned from Project Zebra. Let's go live with Laura and Allison Fowler. So,